Hey, I'm Dr. Judy, and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. Now, don't forget to download and subscribe to my podcast today. And please rate this podcast also, because I really value your feedback. In fact, because of your feedback, I will be doing Ask Dr. Judy shows on a regular basis. I've gotten so many questions from you, and I'm excited I have this platform to answer your relatable and very important questions. So please keep sending those questions to me, and I'll do my best to get to them. Today's topic is about the power of personality. What does that mean? Well, everyone has certain likes, dislikes, quirks, and idiosyncrasies. All the qualities that make up your personality, the things that make you, you. These individual differences tell us a lot about what inspires and motivates us, where we feel most at ease, and what we enjoy in both our productive and leisure time. The study of individual differences is rooted in an understanding of how people exhibit variability in key psychological characteristics and how these characteristics impact important daily outcomes like well-being, health, relationships, and work success. As human beings, we are obsessed with learning about ourselves and how we fit into the bigger picture of life. So today's episode is going to be all about how to harness the power of personality to help you supercharge your life. So let's get to it. I received a great question on Facebook this week. Brad wants to know why him and his wife are like oil and water sometimes. They're so different in their personalities. They enjoy different things, communicate differently, and sometimes it causes unnecessary friction in their relationship. He says that sometimes one of them will misperceive the other person's good intentions as something that's disrespectful or uncaring. It makes it hard for them to get along sometimes. If you relate to Brad, listen on because this episode is going to explain why this happens and what you can do about it. But first, let's take a personality test. Then we can talk about what this all means for you and how to apply it in your everyday life. And stay tuned because along the way, I'll take more listener questions on how to make the most of your personality strengths, to get along better with others, and to do your best work every day. Personality tests are nothing new. They've been the rage for many, many years. The two most widely used personality tests are the Myers-Briggs, which breaks down four categories of how people perceive the world and make decisions. For some of you guys, if you've taken that, you might know your four-letter type. There's also another recent emerging trend called Enneagrams, and this is a personality assessment that examines the human psyche and breaks down personality into nine interconnected types. So people love these tests and we want to know who we are. That's because it helps us with everything. This type of self-knowledge helps us to know how we manage stress, how we navigate relationships, how we function at work and how we achieve and maybe sometimes underachieve. Are we harnessing our strengths or do we put a bandaid on our weaknesses or are you actually striving to fix them? How can we achieve better mental and physical health so that we can continue to pursue our passions every day? Now, did you know that most people have access to personality tests? Maybe they've taken it, but maybe you don't know where the OG personality test comes from. And this is a version of that test that we're going to be taking today. The four temperaments is the longest standing, most robust personality theory out there. And in fact, the Myers-Briggs was built 
on the four temperaments. And when we take the four temperaments test, you're going to find that you probably have a dominant and a secondary temperament type. This drives the way you behave, how you react to situations and your preferred style of interacting with other people. Not only this, our temperament also dictates what inspires us and what turns us off and offers crucial information about how we thrive and survive stressful situations. Knowing this essential information is going to help you to lean into your strengths in order to cultivate your best life from shaping your career and relationships to achieving all of your wellness goals and feeling content and fulfilled with all of your decisions. So if you're ready, let's take a mini version of this test together right now on this podcast episode. And if you're interested in the full version, you can go to my website. It's available for free. And the link we will also include in the show notes, but the link is www.drjudyho.com backslash animal types test. So check it out. But right now we're going to launch right into a short version of this personality test. So I want to know which of these is most like you. I'm going to talk about a category and then I'm going to give you four options. Keep track of which option you chose from each category. And then we're going to talk about what this all means for you. So the first category is what you like to talk about. And the first answer is results and achievements. Second option is dreams and aspirations. Third option is feelings and experiences. And the fourth option is facts and figures. So think about which one you are most like one, two, three, or four, and make a note somewhere either on your phone in the notes section, or maybe on a scratch paper that you have handy. The second category is your communication style. What do you prefer? Are you option one direct and to the point option two animated and excitable option three collegial and casual or option four, specific and concise. Go ahead and note your choice and we'll move on to the next category. What do you thrive on? Do you thrive on option one, pressure and change? Option two, fun and stimulation. Option three, togetherness and support. Or option four, accuracy and information. Awesome, let's move on to the next category. What are your dislikes? Option one, wasting time. Option two, reinventing the wheel, too much novelty. Option three, confrontation or option four, being wrong. Okay. The next category, what is your most likely group role? Are you option one, usually the leader option two, the rapport and relationship builder option three, the peacemaker or option four, the information provider. All right. Next category. How do you usually like to dress option one formal and classy option two, bold colors, trendy and informal option three, subdued and muted colors, more casual or option four, conservative and businesslike. All right. A couple categories left. What is your work area? Like option one, sterile and organized option two, lots of interesting items around very creative option three filled with mementos and items that evoke feelings or option four, a lot of information in piles and sections on your desk. Okay. Last category. What do you want to be appreciated for? 
Option one, productivity. Option two, contribution. Option three, involvement. Or option four, quality of work. So now tally up how many you noted in each of the options. Were most of your choices in option one, for example, or option three? And did you have a secondary option that got pretty close to your number one option that you checked the most? Go ahead and add those numbers up now. Okay, so check this out. Again, this is the four temperaments test. It's my version of the four temperaments test. And I decided to rename them into animal types because it's so much easier for us to conjure up this image of what this animal stands for. And once I tell you your animal type, you'll see how everything makes sense together. So if most of your options were in one, your animal type is the panther. If most of the items you checked were in option two, you're a peacock. If you check mostly option three, you're a dolphin. And if you check mostly option four, you're an owl. Obviously, there's no bad animals, guys. These are all amazing animals and they all come with their different strengths, preferences, values, and how you like to work and play. So let's talk about that. If you are a panther, some of your most important values are productivity and control. Panthers have a lot of strengths. They're purposeful, they're determined, they're competitive, strong-willed, they're big thinkers, and they're very energetic. They tend to be more extroverted and they also love to lead. If you're mostly option two, then you're a peacock and peacocks are ruled by the values of fun and adventure. Some of the peacock's strongest points are that they're sociable, entertaining, enthusiastic, persuasive, and creative. Peacocks, like panthers, are also extroverted. They also like to lead, but whereas panthers are more focused on goal-oriented projects, peacocks are more easygoing. They're more relationship-oriented. If you check mostly option three, you're a dolphin, and dolphins are ruled by the values of peace and community. And some of the dolphins' strongest strengths are that they are rational, caring, insightful peacemakers who are patient and relaxed. Dolphins tend to be a bit more internalized or a bit more intrinsic in terms of their thought process. They analyze a bit more. They're a bit more introverted and more reflective of what's going on around them. Like peacocks, dolphins are also very easygoing and relationship oriented. Finally, if you're option four, you're the owl and you are likely ruled by values of perfection and security. Some of the owl's greatest strengths are that you are tactful, you are precise, you are orderly and cautious, you question things, you don't just take things at face value, and you're very detail-oriented. Like the dolphin, the owls are also a bit more introverted and reflective, but like the panther, the owls are decisive, organized, and goal-oriented when it comes to projects. So what are your primary and secondary types? It tells you a lot about your natural strengths and how you like to move through the world. Temperaments are thought to be largely innate. That means that they were present from a very early age, and then they become stronger and fortified through your life experiences. When you're living in your strengths and operating in your comfort zone, 
things come naturally to you and you use less cognitive resources and exert less energy than if you were trying to go against your natural way of being. So put in another way, if you are using your natural strengths, you are freeing up important cognitive resources so that you can be relaxed, be creative and be your most authentic self at work and at play. And that gives you increased capacity for motivation and willpower to tackle those passion projects. So give your coworkers or your team this personality test, give your family members this personality test and use it as a jumping off point to discuss how to have better relationships and work together better. It's really a good idea to know the people around you and what their types are. So you know how to get along best with them and to achieve your goals. Target their likes and avoid their dislikes to engage your attention. And that makes them feel cared about. And that also persuades them to listen to you and to work together on joint goals. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how each type likes to work. Now we've discussed the strengths of the Panthers. Again, this is the option ones out there. Panthers, though, do have some areas that might need a bit of improvement. For example, Panthers are not so patient. They can sometimes be a bit bossy. They don't like to waste time. And at times when they're stressed, they might overlook emotions, especially those of other people. So some of the smart tips for work, if you're a Panther, is that you should be focused on structured and defined projects with swift execution. You should also try to eliminate boredom, involve some type of challenge in your work and take time limited breaks throughout the day. Panthers really love structure and they really thrive on that. Some work don'ts for Panthers are things that go on and on, lack purpose and puts them in a follower position. Now, if you're a peacock, peacocks are natural socialites and they have a lot of strengths because they love interacting with others and they handle chaos quite well. But some of the areas for improvement for peacock is that they're a bit more disorganized and they're not so good with details or strict agendas. So some of the work smarter tips, if you're a peacock is to become a more efficient time manager. Don't overpromise people things and don't procrastinate and try to combine more boring tasks with more dynamic and interesting tasks so that you can stay engaged and productive. Peacocks are especially good at working intensely with bursts. So instead of working very constantly for hours and hours, they kind of like to work really, really hard for two or three hours and then take a break, enjoy themselves, do something for fun and then come back to work. Peacocks don't do well when work is way too regimented, involves too much detail orientation, and is solitary. Now, if you are a dolphin, you are a natural giver, you are steady, you're a great listener, you calm people down. But some of the weaknesses of dolphins is that dolphins don't tend to love change. They have a harder time shifting when there's something new in their environment. And they also don't like to be rushed into business. They don't like being pressured to respond. So some of the work smarter tips for dolphins is to start working in advance so you don't have to rush yourself and solve one critical problem at a time. Dolphins really enjoy team-based projects and a socially engaging workspace that involves a sense of contribution. Some of the work don'ts for dolphins are projects that are super time limited and super scheduled with too much novelty or pressure. So stay away from those if you're a dolphin. Finally, if you are an owl, you have amazing attention to detail. All the peacocks in the world are looking to you to guide them on attention to detail. You are an observant, independent thinker. 
You may not speak very often, but you are very wise when you speak. But some of the areas of improvements for owls is that you also don't love change. You also don't love to be too casual with people. And that leads to you not being able to share your feelings as easily. So sometimes when you're stressed, you kind of bottle it all in and you isolate yourself, which obviously is not good for your mental and physical health. So some of the work smarter tips for owls are to have a very clean and methodical workspace so that you can avoid distractions. And you also really enjoy working in pieces on small tasks taking advantage of your detail orientation so that you can delve deeply into one project at a time. You are also an excellent written communicator. So any jobs or projects that require that, you are very, very good at these types of tasks. Some of your work don'ts, avoid working in huge groups that are unstructured without an agenda that involve too much feelings probing. All right, everybody, since you've taken your test, and you know your primary and secondary types, and maybe you're even thinking about the loved ones in your life and what type they are, I think it's really fun to talk a little bit about the results with my team. So welcome back to the podcast, Jonathan, my fantastic sound engineer, and Rachel, my brilliant producer. Yay, guys. Hi. Hi. Okay. So I want to know what you guys scored on the personality test, because yesterday I made you guys take it, and I want to know... Were there any surprises and what was your primary and secondary type? So Rachel, why don't you go first? Well, my primary type, no shock, is the panther. And then my, is it the secondary type? Is that what it is? Yeah. It's definitely the peacock. Amazing. What about you, Jonathan? Um, I was not surprised by my results either. Um, my primary type was the peacock. And my secondary type, I actually tied dolphin and owl. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Is that common? And it made, you know, it is common that sometimes people have more of like a combination of three types, which is what you are. It does not surprise me at all that all three of us overlap on the peacock. <laughs> <laughs> Except peacock is your primary type, Jonathan, and it's my secondary type. And apparently Rachel and I are like the same person because my primary type is the panther. Which so, is why we're on the phone all the time. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Um, so that's so fun. And I want to know if it makes sense to you guys. I mean, when you guys were hearing what I was talking about in terms of what you guys like and don't like and how you guys enjoy working and not working. Like, did that all make sense to you? And do you think it applies to your life? For me, listening to your description, and then when I read it yesterday, when I took the test, um, for me, I know I sometimes really do tend to want to be the center of attention. Um, I do like to be sometimes in charge of everything. Um, and I try to be positive about it and, and like, you know, lead people through like challenging things. Um, and then of course, with the work smarter tips, like my biggest thing is I'm the worst procrastinator in the world. So um, <laughs> that's what I keep trying to get better at. And I know we talked about that on the last Ask Dr. Judy. So I've been trying to apply some of those things. Um, they're not working that well <laughs> because I am, like I said, I am the worst procrastinator. 
Oh my gosh. Well, Jonathan, I totally get it because in my twenties, I, well, probably even before then too, but definitely in my twenties, when I was in grad school, I was the worst procrastinator. And I feel like it's always something that I have to watch. You know, like if I just let my guard down, I'll become that person again, you know? So it it is something that I have to constantly work at. And it's also another thing that I have to work at to like really, really pay good attention to detail, even though I have gotten better at that over the years it's not necessarily my natural inclination to do that. Right. So it takes me a little bit more cognitive energy to be able to do that. Well, and I think that that is also another common, uh, trait of a lot of peacocks and sometimes even of Panthers because Panthers love big picture talking, but they don't want to like actually do the hack work, you know? Right. I found that I used to be more of a peacock in my younger years. And then as I got older, I became more of a Panther when I had kids. And Mm. when I took the test, I kind of felt a little melancholy. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. I want more peacock back in my life. Oh, do you miss your peacock self? (laughs) I do. I I, I tend to be that way when, you know, I I go out at night with my husband and my friends. Um, But Yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting when you have, I found for me, when I had more responsibility, my personality changed a little bit. Yeah. You know what? And I think that that's what Jonathan and I are also talking about that sometimes because of our jobs and our responsibilities, we're having to sort of work more on certain things. And that does shift some of our personality qualities as well. And my husband is a panther owl, but he also has some peacock in him and particularly when he's around his friends and at work. And so I gave a version of this presentation about personality types at his work and when I shared his results with his coworkers, his coworkers were like, no way, that guy's a peacock all the way. I'm like, oh my gosh. So sometimes I think we also express certain elements of our personality in certain settings more strongly than in other settings. And perhaps by being a mother and also working, like you've had to become a bit more of a stronger panther to keep everything together. So that all makes sense to me. But let's hear from some of our listeners. You guys, we got a lot of great questions about how we use this personality type testing to get along better with others and also to understand ourselves and others better. So Jonathan, what's the first question? So the first question on this week's episode is from Kim. She emailed us and she said, I'm clashing a lot with my boss at work, and I think that we are such different people. We don't communicate the same way, and I have difficulty getting on the same page with him. He gives directives in broad strokes and expects me to fill in the rest, but without the specific guidance, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do, and that causes friction in our working relationship. Do you have any advice? Yes, Kim, I totally get that. And I think that that is such a relatable question because I think everybody's been through an experience like this before. Uh, It's really hard to work on something together when somebody communicates in a totally different way than you. And if I had to guess, I would say that your boss probably sounds like he may be a panther. So lots of big picture talking and then giving other people, delegating these other tasks for people to do, but not with a lot of detail. And I would guess that maybe you're an owl because owls really appreciate the detail. They need the detail to do their jobs right. And so I think it's really about getting on the same page with your boss, understanding that if he is a panther, that in many ways, he kind of just wants to get down to it. You know, he's not wanting to spend a lot of time, waste a lot of time talking about the details, but you need to ask for what you need in an assertive fashion. Panthers will appreciate that. Panthers like direct people. And so to make the most of a Panther's time, 
Come up with like a list of three or five very concise and very direct questions, things that you need answered to do your job right. And if you really hone in on that piece with him, say, I want to do my job right and well. And so I have three follow-up questions for you now that you've given me this project. Panthers will appreciate it and they will definitely give you what you need to do better. So thank you so much for that question, Kim. I love that. Rachel, what's our next question? I love this next question. Daniel from Facebook asks, my wife is super messy and I'm really neat. This causes a lot of needless arguing around the house. Is there any hope to change her or is this part of her personality? I think a lot of people can relate to this. This is hilarious. So Daniel, if I had to guess, you're either a panther or an owl or a combination of the two. And your wife sounds like she might be a peacock because peacocks tend to have a little bit more of chaos in their environment. And it's something that they have to work on really hard to manage. But also the funny thing about peacocks is that they're just not bothered by the mess. Haven't you known that person where you go to their desk and it looks like just a pile of mess. And then you ask them for a document and they know exactly where it is and they just pick it up from that mess. And here you go. I have always admired people like that. Even though my secondary type is a peacock, I actually am much more panther in my work environment and my home environment. I just have to have things like all cleared off my desk or else I can't work. I get disorganized. And so I think it's hard, you know, because basically you have to think about it as going against their natural inclination, right? So it's not that your wife can't be neater, but that it takes her a lot more energy to be neater. And also it doesn't bother her that things are messy, right? It bothers you. And so I think maybe the compromise is if it's a shared area, let's try to come to the middle a little bit. You know, maybe it's not going to be as perfect as you keep your desk, but like the shared area in the living room. Maybe there's some kind of in-between where, okay, let's at least put things in piles. And if you want things on the table, then please at least stack them up so that it's not just all over the place. And then you allow her to be herself in her personal environment and you do the same. And just recognizing that it's not because she's trying to be inconsiderate to you. It's just that the mess doesn't really bother her. But if it's important to you, try to think about coming to a compromise in your shared spaces and letting her know why it's important to you. You can let her know, well, when things are messy, it's hard for me to think. It's hard for me to concentrate. Make it about what you need. And I think your wife will listen. Awesome question. Let's talk about the next question, Jonathan. All right. I'm excited to see what you have to say about this because, um, might help me as well. Uh, Becky from Instagram asks, are there certain personality types that deal better with stress? What a fun question. Well, you know what? It's not that certain personality types deal better with stress, but it's that every personality type deals with stress differently. And if you can tap into the secret of how your personality type likes to deal with stress, then you're going to find it a lot easier to manage. So for example, if you are a owl, it's actually stressful for you to be around a lot of people in an unstructured way for hours at a time. So if somebody is a dolphin, let's say your partner's a dolphin or your best friend's a dolphin, they're like, let's go to this party. But this party is super unstructured. There's no end time. The dolphin is having so much fun. They'd love to not be rushed. They love just being around people and hanging out. And they don't mind that there's not an end time to the party. But for you, that's not a relaxing environment for you. You're thinking, what time should I leave? So it's not rude. And also, Owls tend to get overwhelmed with too many people around them at one time. They recharge by doing solitary activities that really engage their thinking. 
So you have to think about the strengths of your personality types and your likes and dislikes and think about your coping and your stress management along those lines. So a panther, panthers don't mind being around other people, but they're also fine on their own. But the biggest thing for them is doing any kind of stress management technique that feels like it lacks purpose. It's really hard for them if they feel like something goes on and on. So in that way, they're kind of similar to owls. So for panthers, things that will help them to manage their stress are things that are structured, are defined, and offers them a sense of a challenge that they can overcome. And if you're a peacock, you love being around people. You don't mind being around people for a long time. You like to be relaxed. You don't have to have a time limit for any of this stuff. But peacocks do not do well if they're isolated for too long. And so if you're stressed out, don't avoid talking to people. Still think about your social life. You have to engage with your community or else that stress will become bigger and bigger in your mind. So hopefully that gives you some ideas about how you can deal with stress better depending on your personality type. Rachel, what's the next question? Ron from Instagram asks, do you believe that the pandemic has brought out hidden aspects of people's personalities? It seems some people are coping way better with social distancing than others. That is right on. It's hilarious. I actually have friends like that who have told me, I don't really mind the social distancing. I'm fine. And I'm, I'm fine just hanging out with my husband and my two kids. And I, I don't really want for anything else. And then there are people who are like, I'm going out of my mind. Um, so I, I do think that different uh, aspects of your personality get brought out because of our current challenges. People who are peacocks are probably having a tough time having to be in one place all the time. It, it's tough because peacocks love to like flutter around. They like to be in different places. They like to have novelty in their everyday life. And dolphins and owls tend not to mind being in one place quite as much. They're also more naturally introverts. And so again, they recharge by being alone. And so it's not as necessary for them to have this type of big sweeping social environment change and novelty for them to feel good. But let's not get it twisted because every single type needs social connection. It's just that they need it in different ways, in different amounts and Peacocks and panthers, I think, probably have a more difficult time with coping with the social distancing than the owls and the dolphins in the room. And so if you are a panther and a peacock, you got to think outside of the box. What are some other ways in which you can cope with the current uh, lifestyle that we have? So I've been incredibly safe. I've been really, really good about not going to places where I think we would be at risk for contracting COVID, but I also need to still get out of the house. So what I've been doing lately is doing things that are outdoors. I'm going on more hikes. I'm going golfing. I'm playing tennis. So even though I'm not sitting down at restaurants so much, I'm still able to engage in a new environment and really take in the sunshine. And that has helped me a lot. And so definitely there are different ways in which we have dealt with the pandemic and think about your personality type and how you can cope a little bit better with the social distancing. Jonathan, what's the next question? Okay. The next question uh, was an email question from Karen. She asks, uh, can people's personality change over time? I was an extroverted child and into my early adult years, but now in my thirties, I feel a lot more introverted and being around too many people at once feels a bit exhausting to me. People's personalities can absolutely change over time, but I think that they shift because you're trying to deal with the demands of the environment. So just like we were talking about earlier with Rachel, 
as she had children and she's also working, she's had to become a bit more of a panther. So that part of her personality is coming out a bit more. When Karen is talking about how she was a very extroverted child and into her early adult years, but that now she's a bit more introverted. It probably means that that introverted part of her personality was always there. It was always submerged, but it just wasn't as prominent because the extroverted part of herself was being more rewarded by the social environment she was in. And I think that as people get older, to be able to manage their lives, to be productive and also spend quality time with people that they really care about. Sometimes you do start to shift a little bit instead of these big parties that you go to, you're now more content with just having a small dinner with maybe your favorite couple. And so I think that that's what Karen's talking about. And it makes so much sense because as we get older, we have more responsibilities, our priorities shift, and that can bring out some of these more submerged portions of your personality that in the past just wasn't being rewarded as much. So you weren't acting that way as much in your everyday life. So that's a great question. And honestly, I found that I've had that shift a tiny bit myself. So I do really value my alone time a lot more now than in the last decade of my life. And I I think it's just as we get older, sometimes we become a bit more balanced. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Rachel, what's our next question? The last question is from Sharon from Twitter. Can my personality change how I respond to different self-care activities? I know everyone says meditation is great, but I really have a hard time with them and it ends up stressing me out more. Any advice? I really relate to that, Dr. Judy. I, I feel like if I try to meditate, I'm ready to explode. I really relate to that too. And that's probably because we're both Panther peacocks. Um, Meditation was very, very difficult for me until I found the right kind. And also I relate because this is how I feel about yoga. There is no yoga that is right for me. You guys, I've tried yoga so much and it is just awful. I, I come out more stressed than when I came in. I mean, it's not a good experience for me, but a lot of people swear by yoga and I've been trying to give it a shot and it's just not working. And finally I said, you know what? It's okay. You can find some other type of self-care that matches more with who you are. So when you're a Panther, you have a much harder time sitting down when you're a peacock, you also have a much harder time sitting down. And so I think if you were to do a type of meditation, the type that would really be helpful are the ones that are more time limited and structured and maybe ones in which you are being guided through your thoughts, you know? So if you listen to guided meditations and if you just Google on YouTube, guided meditations, you'll come up with a lot of free resources and you can choose one of the shorter ones to utilize. Also, Panthers and peacocks tend to do better with meditations that are moving. So like a walking meditation, a hiking meditation, a meditation where you're actually making and drinking coffee and doing mindfulness activity. That's the type of meditation that tends to work better for those types. And so don't worry about trying to squeeze in something in your self-care that just doesn't work for you. It's okay. Find the one that works best for your strengths because that's how you're going to really recuperate and recover from your stresses. And similarly, if you're a dolphin, you're going to like more open-ended stress relievers. You like things that allow for a deeper discussion and involves a sense of contribution. So those are some of your self-care tips. If you're an owl, your self-care tips are 
things that allow for more contemplation, delving deeply into a subject and learning something new. So if you're an owl, you probably don't love big group activities as a way to your self-care. So you're not going to like those crazy Zumba classes where there's a bunch of people there all sweating together and dancing together and yelling. It's too much for you, right? So we all just have to understand our natural inclinations and work well with our natural types. Love that question from Sharon. So Jonathan, do you have any questions for me now that you've heard all of this stuff about personality types? It's such a passion subject for me. I, I think it's so much fun to talk about your dominant types and your secondary types and how that makes you who you are. Yeah, my question, I guess, would be more of, I want to see if we can boil this all down. So I know we've talked about changing your own personality or like noticing things in people that you have a relationship with about their personality that you don't like. So is it reasonable or even healthy if you notice something in yourself or a partner or a really close friend, as far as an aspect of the personality that you don't like, is it healthy to want to change that in yourself or that person? And how do you even go about addressing that? That's a great question. And I think it really comes down to thinking about personality types as love languages. Um, in many ways, people have their preferences in the ways that they like to work and, and play and relate to one another. And it's really what they value. So when you have a conflict with somebody and you say, wow, why can't they just be a little different? Sometimes it's because they either have a really hard time being different because that's not really them, or it just doesn't matter as much to them as it does to you because you have a different personality type and you value different things. And so I think you really have to ask yourself, is this truly important for me to try to get this person to change in that way? And if it is, don't be shy about asking them that because if they care about you and they understand it's important to you, they will at least try to move a bit more towards the middle, a bit more towards you. But perhaps it might be even better to practice acceptance if it isn't something that's truly that important. And just saying, you know what, that's just the way that they are. This is just not a person who is very good with attention to detail. So I'm just going to have to remind them more about these things. And really, again, just accepting them for who they are. And that really does improve your relationship overall. If you can just distinguish which ones are the really important issues and which ones are not. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Rachel, do you have a question for me? Yes, I do. Um, I wonder, is part of this whole personality thing, does it boil down to people that you're attracted to? And I'm not saying physically attracted to, but the people that you give your energy to. Like sometimes I notice I'm around narcissists a lot and <laughs> I'm not sure if that has anything to do with me being a panther or me being attracted to those people, but I tend to gravitate to those people. And I think it's because I'm trying to fix them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. As a panther and as a peacock, you like solving problems. And maybe there's a piece of you that likes to solve problems for other people. And so sometimes you end up attracting to you people who really need a lot of help, a lot of fixing or are takers, right? And I think one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is what are we really getting out of that relationship? Um, if it's really for you to boost your own confidence, like feel good about yourself because you've solved somebody else's problem and that makes you feel stronger. 
you should recognize that part of yourself because it makes sense. You know, we all want to feel helpful. We all want to feel successful, but at the same time, it takes so much of your own energy away from the things that you really need to do and the other relationships that maybe you want to give more attention to. And so I think it's really about putting up good boundaries. Again, we talk about that a lot on this podcast and also on the last ask Dr. Judy about having healthy boundaries. And so really finding out why you spend time with these people. And then when you realize that maybe they're a bit of an emotional vampire or take too much of your time, really think about how to structure your time with them so that you don't give everything away that you save some for yourself and your family. Oh my goodness. Well, listen, I love talking about personality. I could talk about it all day, but I think it's time to get to our supercharged secret with five more tips on how you can harness the power of personality. The first tip is to use these self-assessment tools to understand your likes and dislikes, your boundaries, and the absolute yeses and nos of your life. The more clarity you have about yourself, the better you can execute all of the areas of your life with fulfillment, with ease, and with meaningfulness. The second tip is to think like a cognitive miser. What I mean by that is you got to conserve your resources. Your resources are not infinite. They are finite. You do get tired. You do get burned out. So when possible and appropriate, think about the path of least resistance to save up your cognitive and emotional resources for bigger problems. So again, back to that yoga example, I'm no longer going to let yoga rob me of my energy. I know that some of you guys are probably going to listen to this and say, that sounds crazy, but I just don't like yoga. I'm sorry for all of you yogis out there. The third tip is ask, can I delegate? If you know something that is not a strength for you, get a team who can do it better. That way you can learn from them and you can start to hone an area that is an area of weakness for you. The fourth tip is to consider the love languages of personality. As I was just mentioning to Jonathan, it's all about understanding what that person values and what they appreciate. So do something that a loved one would actually enjoy and maybe not what you enjoy every once in a while plan an activity that you know they're going to get a lot out of, even if for you, it's just tolerable. Just one of the lovely things that you can do for the people that you care for. And the last tip, dialogue with important people in your life about their personality. I've had so much fun today talking to both Rachel and Jonathan about their personalities and how we can make this work for us. And having these conversations will help you get along better with all the people in your life and you can work more effectively at your jobs as well. So thank you all for your questions. I really hope today's show was helpful to all of you, especially the listeners who wrote in. And I hope it gives you some insight into who you are and how to navigate your relationships with more ease and more understanding. No one is perfect, but it can never hurt to take a few minutes a day to reflect on our behavior and just be proud of all of the good things that you have accomplished as well. And think about areas that you can do a little bit better each day. Remember, we are never too old or too successful for positive change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Supercharged Life. If you like the show and want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. Remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends and take a moment to leave a review for me. I'm Dr. Judy, and remember, any time is a great time to supercharge your life. The Supercharged Life with Dr. Judy podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.